Welcome to episode 162 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Why, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, (laughs) if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi, friends. Now, I know most of you are familiar with the power of protein to help us to recompose our bodies, get fitter and leaner by losing body fat and protecting and gaining muscle or lean body mass. Now, protein supplementation is one of the best ways to do it. It is scientifically validated to help us produce high quality weight loss. Now, when it comes to weight loss, traditionally, a lot of people will do high carb, low calorie diets, and those have been shown to generate upwards of 40 percent lean body mass loss. Now, protecting your lean body mass and your muscle is crucial when you are wanting to lose some fat because during weight loss, you don't want the weight lost to be coming from your muscle. The more muscle you're able to retain, the more you're retaining metabolically active tissue, which is going to keep your metabolic rate much higher and help you maintain the fat loss after you have achieved it. Now, one of the best ways, as I said, to do this is through using protein shakes. I've been on the lookout for years to find a high-quality protein supplement that does not have fillers, dyes, artificial sweeteners, and using cheap protein concentrate, which can cause all kinds of issues like bloating and indigestion. I finally created a protein supplement that meets my standards, and it's something that I personally use every single day, and that is Tone Protein. Tone Protein not only is extremely clean and high quality with only whey protein isolate, no concentrates, no fillers, it is also scientifically formulated to optimize muscle protein synthesis, which is going to help you build lean body mass and muscle in the most efficient way possible. I am so incredibly excited about Tone Protein. Not only is it extremely high quality and optimized to help you recompose your body, it is also absolutely delicious. We've been having so much fun with all the different flavors that we are creating, and I just can't wait for you all to try it. Now, I wanted to create a special launch discount for all of you listeners so that you could check it out, try it out, see how you like it, and test it out for yourself. In order to receive that launch discount, you can head over to toneprotein.com and sign up with your name and email address, and you'll receive an email to double opt in to the list, and you'll be the first to know when Tone Protein is available to order, and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. It is going to be the biggest discount that we ever offer on Tone Protein. So I really want all of you to be able to receive it. So be sure to go to toneprotein.com, sign up with your name and email, and you'll be double opted in to that list. And I am so excited for you all to try it out. Let me know what you think of it and let it help you to optimize your body recomposition goals, get that fat loss and maintain and protect your lean body mass while doing it. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during 
during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 162 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am doing great. It's a beautiful day. I love the weather. It's spring. You know, life is good. Wearing shorts. (laughs) I'm just so happy when I'm outside in shorts and a tank top. Yes. (laughs) That's the entirety of my comment there. That's it. You know, it just it just feels right. I like having the air on my skin. It was I was outside earlier. It was breezy. It felt great. A good warm breeze. It's just perfection. You know what I feel like we are. Do you ever watch my favorite animated? Are you going to say heat miser, cold miser? <gasps> yes. Yes. I knew you were. <laughs> I had to interrupt. Oh my gosh. Literally, my that was always my favorite of all of those. Well, I'm Mr. Heat Miser. So I'm Mr. Cold Miser. <laughs> oh my gosh. We could make a musical. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah, that's funny. So perfect. I love that. So, what's up with you? I have a question about does something break my fast? <laughs> You're asking me if something breaks your fast? Yes. <laughs> okay. You know, I have a really great section in my new book, Fast Feast Repeat, currently available for pre-order. And it talks about our three fasting goals and what you want to make sure you're accomplishing during the fast. And so let's see what you're talking about. Now I will tell you what I think. Context. I interviewed somebody recently on the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, Terry Cochran. She wrote a book called Wildatarian. It was such a fascinating interview. Cannot wait to air it. But in any case, the concept of addressing iron issues came up. And did you know that you can raise iron levels pretty adequately with chlorophyll? I did not. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was fascinated to learn that chlorophyll, which gives plants their green color, in her book, she talks about it as like kind of like the plant equivalent of blood. But it basically has the cofactors that support iron levels. And she's found in her patients that she can reverse anemia actually with 
chlorophyll supplementation, especially for people that might be not, you know, digesting meat so well. So I ordered chlorophyll liquid. The sad thing is I couldn't find any that was just pure chlorophyll. The closest I found was chlorophyll and it has a little bit of glycerin in it. Oh, I, how do we say it? Glycerin or glycerin? I always say glycerin, but that doesn't mean it's right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so I've been taking it. Well, I, whenever I experiment with something that I'm not sure about affecting the fast, I open my window with it. So I've been doing that, but it makes me feel really, really good. And I today even tried taking it when I woke up and it feels really good. So these are my three. Here's a little sneak peek for people. So it's like whenever you are trying to test or try to figure out if something breaks the fast, there are three fasting goals. Number one, keep insulin low. So is this likely to raise insulin? That's what you have to ask yourself. Is your body going to think that this is a food item? Does it taste like food? Does it make your brain think food is coming? And you'll have the, you know, the cephalic phase insulin response. Obviously, no, you're not tasting this, right? Well, it does taste a lot like... It's a liquid that you're tasting. Okay. Well, first of all, I really want to use it to make my own version of green eggs and ham because it is so green. Oh my goodness. Oh, and listeners, if anybody wants to order it, I will put a link to the one I ordered and I will put a link to the olive oil bottle that I ordered to store it in because that is the solution to not get green everywhere. It's literally the most potent colored thing ever, but it does taste like plant essence. So you actually are tasting it. You could do it like a shot if you wanted. I do do it as a shot, but it does, it feels like I inhaled the greenness of plants and got that vibe. But it doesn't have a, there's no sweet. There's no sweet. There's no bitter. It just all depends on what your brain thinks. Does your brain think that, hey, food is coming in. I need to release insulin to respond to this. There's the question. So I would tend to probably be more skeptical of that one if if you're tasting it. You know, I feel like if you're taking a capsule where you don't taste it, it's less likely to be a problem. Yeah, agreed. So I would recommend that. But anyway, and fasting goal number two is, is it going to prevent you from tapping into your own stored fat for fuel? The answer to that is no, because, you know, that would be like if you're taking in exogenous ketones or if you're drinking a bulletproof coffee, that's going to keep you from tapping into your own fat stores for fuel. So that would be a no. And the third fasting goal is we want to keep autophagy going strong. So we avoid things that are protein for the body. And so obviously this would not be that. So the only reason it might be a no is if it causes your body to release insulin. And I talked about this in my new book as well. Like, for example, we brush our teeth, right? Even though that has sweeteners in the toothpaste probably. But it's tiny, and even if you do have an insulin response from your toothpaste, it's only going to last for a few minutes. It's not like it raises your insulin and keeps it high, 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 high. So that's why you know you brush your teeth and you go about your day. But it's also why you don't drink a Diet Coke or something, because that goes on and on and on and on. So even if it gave you a little insulin response, it's going to be very brief because it's a tiny little amount. And if you don't feel shaky and nauseous, it's probably okay. I tend to get, I'm very sensitive to stuff like that though. And I tend to get the shaky feeling even from something little like a supplement. A supplement has made me have a clear insulin response before. So if it's really helping you though, I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, I think it's very, very therapeutic. And then it also is very alkalinizing. I'm definitely going to be taking it every day, breaking my fast. And I'm going to experiment with, you know, taking it earlier as well. Yeah, that's the win-win. If you take it to open your window, then it doesn't even matter. So yeah, always a good suggestion. But yeah, I love this part of my new book that, you know, the three fasting goals, keep those in mind. And some of the moderators are reading my book now because the publisher sent out advanced reader copies to to all of my moderators because I wanted them to have it before it came out so they'd be familiar with it because, you know, they work in the group every day. And one of them sent me a message and said, all right, it's clear. Everybody can figure it out now because I really, you know, I'm a teacher. That's my MO of life is to teach people things. So I want to teach people how to answer this question yourself instead of having to always ask somebody else. Don't come to the group and ask us if this breaks the fast. Check that chapter and you will know. You will figure it out. I mean, of course, we're still glad to help you. We're glad to help you. But it's the whole teach Amanda fish, right? Instead of making a list of everything in the entire world, yes, maybe, and no, teach Amanda fish, and then they can figure it out on their own. It's perfect. That's what I hope. So for listeners, pre-order that book right now. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's very exciting. It really is. I'm so excited. 
The pre-orders are strong, so that's thrilling. It's all good things. It is. Did I tell you something funny there real quick about it? Did I tell you that it was number one in the low-fat diet category, which is hilarious? Did I tell you that already? No, you didn't. But I remember that would happen for my book with categories. And I was like, this is so not correct. (laughs) I mean, I did not make the categories. Let me just put it this way. The publisher did that. The publisher set the categories. There's one category that's hilarious. It's called green housekeeping. And I don't know why all the, quote, diet and lifestyle books started getting put in green housekeeping, but the green housekeeping is all recipes and healthy ways of living. It's hilarious. So my book is, you know, done well in the green housekeeping category, (laughs) along with lots of other books you recognize. So it's not just, you know, a weird technique, but it's been number one in the low-fat diet category, which makes me crack up. But you know what else is in the low-fat diet category? A bunch of keto books. Really? It's hilarious. It's like they put them there just as like a thumb in the eye of the reader or something. Because, yes, like there's a bunch of keto books. Good calories, bad calories, I think, is in the in the low-fat dieting. Oh, gosh. Yes, which is completely the opposite. That's an error. I don't think Mr. Tobbs is going to be happy about that one. <laughs> Why would books with keto in the name of them be, I think Dr. Kabeka's book is in the low-fat diet category. Really? Her Keto 16, what is it called? Keto Green 16? It's in that category too. It's so funny. But I'm like, these are not low-fat diet books. <laughs> Amazon. But it's not Amazon, I don't think. I think it's the the publisher chooses them when they put the book in. I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe it's Amazon. Yeah, it's hard to know. I remember mine was in like high protein which distressed me because I was like, I'm not necessarily promoting high protein, especially since low protein is often correlated to longevity. Exactly. Well, it is a strategy that, you know, if you have like a weird Kindle book that someone's written and the, you know, the weird self-published ones, they'll it'll be like number one bestseller in, you know, pet crematorium category or something. You know, they'll put it in a weird category that it isn't even about. Yeah, it's so funny. And then it'll be like a bestseller. Anyway. Shall we jump into everything for today? Yes. We have a question from Susan, and the subject is serapeptase and NAD supplements. Hi, Jen and Melanie. Thanks to my best friend who is a nurse anesthetist. I can never say that word, so I apologize to nurse anesthetists everywhere. I can't say it. Who was always doing health and wellness research. I was introduced to IF and your podcast. You're both great and I learned so much. I am 44 years old, and I have been doing IF for a year in May. I have lost 26 pounds from 163 to 137 currently. I lost 10 pounds right away, but then I used IF as an excuse to eat whatever I wanted nightly, got back into pasta, LOL, and put back on 5 to 7 pounds, but then I held my weight for another 6 plus months eating whatever I want. I am a major foodie, so I'm obsessed with food, and IF let me eat without guilt. I have been on diets for 20 years, and I have never been able to hold my weight unless I was on a diet. So it excited me that with IF, I was able to eat whatever I wanted in my window and hold my weight, and it didn't feel like a diet. At that time, I was doing 16-8. I decided in January it was time to do it the right way and eat healthy foods, and I lost the 26 pounds in a little over two months and have been holding that weight for almost two months now. The weight just fell off when I changed to 24 and only ate whole foods and 100% clean for the first 30 days. I did Whole30 to jumpstart. After 30 days, I now follow a modified Whole30 during the weeknights, mainly whole foods and limit the wine. When I open my window at 4 at work, I have a green smoothie that I had pre-made to bring to work. I add everything but the kitchen sink, coconut water, unsweetened, Garden of Life protein powder, maca or maca. I know Dr. Kabeca loves maca. Dr. Kabeca loves maca, maca, whichever it is. Chia, hemp, flax seeds, goji and acai berry, apple cider vinegar, turmeric. I feel like this is just my tongue twister of the day. (laughs) I'm sorry, Jen. (laughs) That's all right. Everybody's probably laughing at me and that is okay. You can laugh. All right. I said turmeric, lysine powder, probiotics, inositol powder, and organic greens and organic berries. Lordy, I feel like I just read an ingredients label. (laughs) All right. 
It makes me feel good to start my window with a good foundation. I have been on green smoothies for five plus years, which is a whole other story about an autoimmune issue I had that I feel green smoothies cured. Can I jump in really quick while we're talking about that? Because it kind of relates to the chlorophyll at the beginning, and I didn't anticipate this. So many people I feel have shared this, that they feel that integrating green smoothies is what cured them or healed them. Well, you know, I'm not surprised because there's so much goodness in plant foods. I think it's a good thing to address as well, just for people who are wanting to do green smoothies and, you know, wondering about fasting. Like we just said, if you use it to open your eating window, like Susan is doing, I feel like it's the best of both worlds because you're at that moment, you're primed to just soak in the nutrition. So if, if integrating something like this into your life is something you're interested in, I think start opening your fast with it is really, really great. Eating window. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I feel like opening your eating window with it is a potentially really great healing approach. So, you know, I've been actually opening my eating window differently before we finish reading the rest of our question. I want to talk about it real quick if I can. You know, I've talked before, maybe a year ago, about how I eat seasonally just naturally. Like when it's warmer, I start to gravitate towards, like all of a sudden, I'm gravitating towards raw vegetables, which is so bizarre for me. Like, I'm craving carrots and broccoli and tomatoes and this little power salad that they have at our local sprouts that's made from like all these things like kale and whatever. And I am just loving it. Anyway, I feel so good. Like I eat it and I just feel, it's like my body just says, thank you. I know it sounds crazy, but. I don't think it's crazy at all. I don't like the cold vegetables all during the winter and when it's cold outside, but right this minute, it just feels right. I think there's something really intuitive there for sure. And I'm also like turning away from meat to a, not, I'm not like anti-meat, you know, we're going to have meat tonight, but I'm like, you know, just craving more vegetables and more vegetarian meals. But over the winter, I was craving more meat. It's just, it's fascinating when you start listening to your body. And I think the seasons play a big role in that. So like, like I've never been like, man, I wish I had a green smoothie, but all of a sudden I'm like, I might would really like a green smoothie. My body went, ooh, green smoothie. Anyway, I just thought that was funny. All right, so I'm going to keep reading. After my smoothie, when I get home, I eat a whole food dinner. I typically only do IF Monday through Friday, 24, but I have found that on weekends, I end up doing IF around 16, 8, just because I now can't think about eating in mornings. Plus, I notice I need a nap when I do eat all day. On the weekends, I do eat whatever I want, hello, pasta, and don't feel guilty. I don't go crazy either. Now that is my long IF story. Sorry about that. Here's my question. I had heavy bleeding start a couple years ago and discovered I have fibroids. I have been there, been there, done that, Susan, so I I can certainly speak to that. The medicine option sounded horrible, and I wasn't ready for a hysterectomy or an ablation option. I kept saying when it got so bad I couldn't live with it anymore, I would do something. I heard about serapeptase from your show and started taking it immediately. I have probably taken it eight months. Now I have gone three plus months without having the heavy bleeding. Knock on wood, I think it is working. I take it religiously in the morning on my empty stomach. My question is, how does it interact with black coffee, birth control pills, and NAD supplements? I just heard one of your podcasts about NAD supplements and saw that it wants you to take them on an empty stomach as well. I tried to avoid taking anything else with the serapeptase. I don't even drink coffee or take my birth control within the same couple of hours of it just in case, but I have no clue what the protocol should be. So that is my question. Should you avoid taking anything else when taking serapeptase? If you do, what is the appropriate time to leave in between taking it and consuming another supplement? Also, can you talk more about serapeptase and NAD supplements in your upcoming podcast. It is so fascinating. Thank you for all you do. Yes, we can talk about it. All right. Thank you, Susan, so much for your question. I was really, really excited about this question. So for starters, for serapeptase, for listeners who are not familiar, it is a proteolytic enzyme created by the Japanese silkworm. When you take it in the fasted state, it enters your bloodstream and basically breaks down proteins that are building up in your bloodstream 
as well as throughout your body. So it can address fibroids, it can address tissue overgrowth, help with inflammation. It can really be a wonder. We have a list of the different brands that we recommend. That is at ifpodcast.com slash serapeptase. People ask me all the time. So that's the link for that. The thing about serapeptase is you want to take it in the fasted state for sure. If you want the benefits that I just spoke about, otherwise it'll digest your food and not into your bloodstream and have the systemic effects. So as far as taking it around other supplements, I don't know how it would react with something like birth control, for example. I would say just to be on the safe side, just maybe space it out a little bit. I don't want to give like a hard time, but you know, maybe space them out by an hour or so. Do you have thoughts about that, Jen? Yeah, you know, we know that it acts on proteins. So you definitely wouldn't want to take it with anything protein, but Lordy, you don't want it to work on against your birth control. <laughs> oh, oops, we were wrong. You shouldn't take them together. That would be not a conversation. You know, so I would not probably just to be safe. I mean, birth control pills are a hormone. Yeah, so probably space them out. The coffee, though, should not be an issue. Shouldn't be a problem, no. Yeah, you could do the coffee with either of those. Okay, and now NAD, which Jen just learned <laughs> is pronounced NAD with a silent plus. Not NAD. With a silent plus. So so originally it would have been NAD plus. But I don't know. Look, you know me. I don't know. I take magnesium. That's pretty much it. <laughs> MG. I take MG. <laughs> yeah, a little fun fact for listeners. You often see it. It's NAD plus, but the plus is silent. Because why not? Why not put in silent things? Well, I'll just call it NAD plus. So I'll sound like a hick. <laughs> So NAD, it, this is so interesting to me, and I'm, I'm glad that listeners were interested as well. It's funny. I had not heard really anything about NAD, and then all of a sudden, it was just like everywhere and everything I was reading. David Sinclair's book, Lifespan, Seamland's book, Metabolic Autophagy, James Clement's book, The Switch. I interviewed Dr. Chris Shade of Quicksilver Scientific for a, a heavy metal toxicity episode, and he started talking about NAD. So I brought him back for a second episode just about NAD. That's how much NAD is like huge, huge. So I put links to all those episodes. But so what is NAD? We often think that energy generation is, you know, eat food, create energy. But a lot of times it's not that simple. And NAD is actually one of the main factors in how your cells actually turn what you eat into energy. So this is key. If you want to be creating clean energy from your food, you need adequate NAD levels. And then it's actually, they're starting to think more and more one of the main factors in aging. Some researchers actually think that the entirety of aging could possibly be due to lowered NAD levels, which is crazy. So for example, once you're in your 20s, your body actually produces less NAD levels. And then by midlife, they actually can be depleted by as much as 50%. And then it's not just energy generation that NAD works on. It does so many other things. It helps work with sirtuins. Those are genes in your body that are good for recovery, for anti-aging benefits. It does so many things to really keep your immune system up, keep you healthy. You want it strong, especially right now with the whole COVID situation, quarantine. If there's one thing you want to be supporting, you want to be supporting your NAD levels. So how do you support your NAD levels? Basically, the precursor to NAD, what you need is B3. But B3 comes in multiple different forms and only certain forms of B3 are going to help support your NAD levels. So if you get a B3 supplement, that's not really the solution. You specifically want to get, there's two forms that are precursors, which means you take them and then they can help your body form NAD. So that is NMN, which I talked about at length, and that's what Susan referenced, as well as NR, which is another precursor. So I was taking NMN because it was the first one I was exposed to. And Dr. Chris Shade at Quicksilver Scientific has made a form that is liposomal, that is absorbed better by the body. But actually, NR is the most direct precursor to NAD. So NMN actually has to go through some other steps. NR is like the direct, like you take NR, it can become NAD. So I was looking to actually start taking NR. And 
literally, I'm not making this up. We got this question. And that same day, a company called Elysium reached out to us. All happened on the same day. Hello, universe. Speaking loud and clear. I know. I know. I got really, really excited. So Elysium reached out to us. They were interested in supporting the podcast. I looked into their product and was really excited because they actually make an NR supplement that's tested. And they've also added in one other compound, which is terastilbene, which is a polyphenol. People are pretty familiar with resveratrol. It's kind of similar to that, but it's linked to activating sirtuins and longevity compounds in the body. So Jen, do you have thoughts? No. <laughs> you were so very complete with your answers that, you know, that sounds perfect. I, I knew that was a Melanie answer all day long. And, you know, I'm no longer even taking the serapeptides. I just, you know, I'm going through menopause. I don't need it anymore. I did have the issues with fibroids that Susan was talking about. And I actually had surgery for it back in, gosh, I think it was 2013. It was before I started intermittent fasting. Then I I started intermittent fasting consistently, 2014, 2015. And, you know, things were all good. Then, you know, the the fibroid action, I think, started to pick back up. I was having the same issues that I had had before the surgery. That's when I started taking serapeptase because someone recommended it for fibroids. And I stopped having the problem. So, was it the serapeptase? Was it the clean fast? I'm not really sure, but I stopped taking the serapeptase because I didn't need it for that issue anymore. I think that's a great thing to point out. For example, serapeptase, I think, you know, some people probably might take it for life because they find benefits. Other people might take it different times to address things, you know, fibroids, allergies, sinus problems sinus problems. The good thing is it's a good thing to have in your toolbox. It's yeah, tool in your toolbox. Yeah. I take it every day, but I don't feel like I have to. And I I just I really just love serapeptase. The thing about NR supplementation for NAD, I actually do think there is massive benefit to taking it for life just because we know we know how much NAD levels are depleted by aging and stress and all of these things that we're exposed to. So supporting it every single day, I think could be really, really valuable. I was talking with my mom actually, because she's been suffering a lot of immune supplements. So I I sent her like everything. I sent her liposomal glutathione. I sent her liposomal vitamin C. I also sent her, because this was when I was doing NMN, I sent her liposomal NMN. And she was like, you know, what would I be taking just now? What would I be taking for life? And I was like, I was like, well, for now with COVID and she was sick, I was like, take all of this. I was like, but then after that, supporting NAD is the thing that you would just want to keep doing, you know, after like every day anyways. So that's why I think supplementing with something like NR provided by this basis product could be something that you might want to integrate into your life. I mean, for the unforeseeable future. So I'm super, super excited. All right. Shall we go to our next question? Yes. All right. So this is a hybrid of a question slash feedback. I was just curious. I wanted to see what your thoughts were, Jen, on her feedback about her question. Hi, friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right. I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands. And it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can 
have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes, all the time, with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous and they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalonsCloset.com to sign up free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com for all of the clothes none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. So this was from Sunal. She says, hi, Jen and Melanie. Thank you for your advice on the podcast last week and for reading my question. So the question she had wrote into us, she was on a fat loss muscle building plan and she was fasting 16 to 18 hours daily. And she wanted to know if she should feel any different because she'd heard about like autophagy and feeling alert. And she was wondering if she should be feeling something. And she was also the one that was on the kind of restrictive diet. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. She was eating 1200 calories a day and she was losing weight, but she said she would expect to anyways. So her follow-up, she says, I will definitely try fasting longer to feel the benefits of autophagy. Generally, I feel good anyway, but it's worth a try to see if it improves things. I'm on very, very low cows, so I'm craving a lot in the evenings, leading to binging. I've had some good advice from the Facebook group, so I will try these tips and hopefully get through my final two weeks of dieting. Then I can fully embrace this way of life and try different fasting regimes and windows as I won't be restricted by what I can and can't eat needing to hit certain macros. Thank you again for your great advice and help. Looking forward to the next episode. Best wishes. I actually thought this was really important to address because I feel like I don't want her to think she should be like fasting more right now, especially if Yes, I agree. It's really nice for us to answer questions. And then if we do hear, you know, how people respond, what are your thoughts, Jen, for Sonal? So I have a section about this in my new book, Fast, Feast, Repeat, where I talk about, you know, all the research on what happens when we do, you know, more dieting than our body wants us to do. You know, and a lot of this came from the Minnesota Starvation Experiment, which was conducted right around the time of World War II. And it was, you know, to learn about, you know, what happens with the refeeding process. And it's very, very clear that when your body is not getting enough food, that's when you start having, you know, the the urge to binge, you become obsessed with food, and it's all you can think about. So anyway, trust those feelings. Even with an intermittent fasting lifestyle, if what you're doing makes you feel bingy, the longer you do it, that is a very bad sign that your body is in distress. You need to work on getting more nutrients, you know, that sort of thing. You know, because our bodies don't count calories, they count nutrients. So I actually believe, Melanie, tell me if, if you agree with this, I actually believe that you could eat, you know, 3,000 junky calories and and your body would not be satisfied to the point where like, you could eat 900 amazingly nutritious calories and your body's not going to be in distress. So it's not just about the calories. Oh, I 100% agree. I mean, even like, remember how we talked about that study where the participants with amnesia would eat and then eat again because they forgot they just eaten? You know, I, I, I would love to see a study like that if they ate a nutrient deplete meal and then a nutrient rich meal because our body's not looking for, I mean, it's looking for energy. So it is looking for calories, but it's looking for nutrients. So if you're not getting the nutrients, and then there's also like the protein leverage hypothesis that you will, that's what Ted Neiman, which that's been one of the most popular episodes actually on my other podcast, I'll put a link to it, but that's the idea that you will keep 
wanting to eat until you meet your protein requirements. Yeah, I think it's huge. Definitely. I think so too, but it really trust how you feel. And the the urge to binge is not a good sign, even if you're you know doing intermittent fasting. Yeah, you know, I talked about earlier with the last question how I was craving, you know, vegetables right now. When I eat a lot of vegetables, I get amazing appetite correction, like bam. My body's like, you are done. Stop eating. And I like I physically cannot eat anymore. And, you know, I'm not adding up my calories. I don't know how many calories I eat, but you know, I'm certainly not gonna eat more calories just to get them in. I really think that, you know, low calorie with a lot of nutrients is different for the body than low calorie with not or even high calorie with no nutrients, you know. Even to that point, I think that's why, for example, probably the most clinically studied restrictive quote diet that results in weight loss but doesn't crash the body and still maintains muscle is something like PSMF where it's basically the protein sparing modified fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's really calorie restricted, but it's very, very high protein. And then you're also supposed to take like supplements for specific nutrients. It's not supposed to be long-term at all, but it's basically providing bare minimum like nutrients and building blocks you need for everything. So then your body's just forced to burn fat compared to like just completely calorie restricting and not providing the substrates that you need. It's just so interesting, you know, paying attention to how I feel. My appetite correction or whether I've had enough to eat is definitely not related to just flat number of calories. Oh, 100%. A lot of people could find they could probably eat thousands and thousands and thousands of calories of processed foods and still feel hungry. Yep. I also talked about this a lot in, in my new book. There's just the whole, you know, your body's like, that's not it. Send something else down. And it just is so true. And you know what else I've been thinking a lot about too, that I think could be a huge factor that most people aren't even slightly considering? What? The hormonal profile of our fat stores. So like, because we know that endocrine disruptors and whether our fat stores are high in estrogen and things like that can affect whether or not those fat stores are more likely storing fat or burning fat. So I've just, I've been thinking about it more and more. I was like, if we're putting endocrine disruptors through our food and skincare, like into our fat all the time, I think that can be a huge, huge, uh, like could be having major effects on whether or not we're more likely to burn that fat. I think it's just really freeing because we think we have entire control based on what we do or do not put in our mouth, but there's so much more with hormones with, you know, what we actually, what's actually going on in our bodies. So it's so true. It is so true. I was telling you before the the podcast, and of course, listeners didn't hear it, but I went and had a lot of blood drawn this morning because I'm having a full hormone panel done. It was a doctor that came on intermittent fasting stories. And of course, y'all haven't heard it yet, listeners, because it's I've recorded so far out in the future. It's probably not going to air till August or something like that. But he does hormone treatment for women and for men. So, you know, I'm going through menopause. He's like, hey, let's look at your hormone panel. And so I'm fascinated to see that because, you know, as I go through menopause, I have different levels of hormones in my body. And it makes such, such a difference. You know, I've talked about how I've had more trouble sleeping. And he he talked about how that could be related to progesterone. And that's very typical with going through menopause. He talked about his wife and how she absolutely has to supplement with progesterone or she can't sleep at all. And, you know, it's it's not that there's something you know, quote, wrong with us when our hormones are out of balance, but it's a matter of identifying what's going on. Yeah, I think it's so huge, especially the progesterone estrogen balance. I think it's very, very common that people are think, you know, due to stress, due to our diets, due to lifestyle, low in progesterone, and then extremely high in estrogen, again, with our food and skincare. So addressing all of that. But it makes such a huge difference. So, you know, for people who are struggling, you know, even if you've been to a traditional doctor and he's like, you're fine. You know, this doctor talked about how he describes himself as a functional endocrinologist, which I love the sound of that. But he talks about how so many women come to him and and they've been, you know, dismissed by their regular doctors. And I am not criticizing doctors. Please don't think that I am. You know, they're going by what the blood tests say. But he's like, you know, it's so much more of a delicate balance than that. You know, we've talked about this before with hormone levels, with thyroid and things like that. And it's just, you know, you really want someone who understands, even though this might be within, quote, normal range, you know, you're all the way at the bottom. (laughs) And so that's why you don't feel good, you know. I'm really excited for you, Jen. Well, thank you. I am too, just because, you know, I'm telling you, menopause is a whole new thing. (laughs) You know, my clothes still fit. That's good. But 
you know, I, I feel different, at, you know, as my hormone levels are changing and I've had more trouble sleeping and, and you know, it's definitely there's, you know, stuff goes on in the body. We have the change is really a change. Yeah, 100%. I think my hormones got so out of whack at a younger age. I mean, I don't know what the main cause was, but I think the mercury toxicity had a huge thing to do with it. And I don't know, but I feel like once your hormones get out of whack, it's harder to get them back on track than if they'd never got out of whack in the first place. I think it's harder to heal than it is to just stay yeah. healthy. Yeah. Like I have a friend I've talked about before, I think, whose gut got out of whack after some bad food poisoning in South America. And she was perfectly fine. Her gut got wiped out with this terrible food poisoning, and it took her years to get back to health. You know, it's you just boom. You know, it's a lot harder to come back to health than to preserve the health you have. Of course, you can't help getting food poisoning. That's, you know. For me, I always say the inciting incident was a food poisoning incident that I had. I know like Chris Kresser, he had one. I feel like a lot of people in this sphere, they had this inciting incident. And it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, well, Cynthia Thurlow talked about that. You know, she's the one that did the TED Talk on intermittent fasting. And she had an incident like that as well. So it really is very common. Yeah. I mean, and then it happens and then you just, at least for me, that's why I've been on this relentless search to find what does help and what does make actual changes. So, yep. All good things. All right. Are we ready to move on? Yep. This is from Julie. Julie asks, subject autophagy and ketosis. Hi, Jen and Melanie. I've been listening to your podcast for several months now and I love, love, love your show. Because of you, I have been doing IF and loving it. I have purchased the Redmond's Real Salt and won't ever go back, and am halfway through What When Wine, and it's wonderful. My question is, what are the differences between ketosis and autophagy, and can you be in one and not the other? Can you fall out of one but still be in the other? Thank you, and keep up your wonderful work. And this is a fabulous question because so many people are confused by ketosis and autophagy, and I love it. Yes. And also, I love when we get questions like this where they recommend something we talked about forever ago, like Red Redmond's Real Salt. Oh, I'm like, wow. Did I ever tell you that I actually did switch to that salt? No. I actually did switch to it because I had been using the Himalayan pink salt just because that's what I was getting at Costco. Then I got a different salt container and I decided I'm going to get Redmond's Real Salt and I just pinch it out when I'm cooking now instead. But it's really good salt. One reason I love Redmond's is it gives you all the benefits of sea salt, but it doesn't have the problems of toxins because it's actually from a an ancient seabed in like the continental U.S. So it hasn't been affected by our modern waters, which is like super cool, super cool. So you get like the iodine benefits and things like that, but you don't have to worry about trace toxins. And I also started to wor- to worry about, you know, the, the pink salt because it's like everywhere to the point that, you know, how olive oil is fake so many places now. And I'm like, I bet this, this is like some dyed salt. <laughs> so then I was like, I don't even want to, I'm not buying any more pink salt because I don't even know where this came from. <laughs> anyway, but Redmond's Real Salt is, you know, you know, they're not, it, it's like one specific brand. So you know what it is. Redmond's would be literally the perfect brand if they made it in a glass bottle, but they only have, they make it in plastic, but I still use it. And the bags. Yeah, I buy it in the bags. And then I pour it into my little glass container. I did see a new salt at Whole Foods the other day, and I was like, oh, what is this? And it, you'll understand why I was drawn to it. It was ice salt. And they, it said that it was Himalaya salt, but it was like ice salt, and it was white. And I tried to Google it, but I couldn't find that much information. Always something. But yeah, I'm skeptical of all the proliferation of of salts out there. Yeah, there's like so many of them and you find them like next to the checkout. And it's kind of like the honeys, like the Manuka honeys. TJ Maxx, exactly. Yeah. Jen, I was just about to say, whenever I see something at TJ Maxx, like in that, in the supplement or the food, I'm like, you know, it's big. Yeah. <laughs> I love TJ Maxx and Marshalls and Ross, but I never would buy the food stuff because it's like, how long, like, how long did it have to circulate before it got there? What is it really? Yeah, I, I love those stores. Don't get me wrong. That is where I go to, to find things, but you're right. I certainly would not buy my pink salt there. <laughs> no. All right. So, what are the differences between ketosis and autophagy? They are not the same thing. Definitely not. Yes. So, ketosis is a state where you are generating ketones. From a fat source. 
Yes. I'm saying this very hesitantly because you could be taking in MCT generating ketones. But it's a fat source. Yes. For all extents and purposes, the way we talk about ketosis, it's typically when your body is generating ketones from a fat source, often typically while fasted. Right. That's the ketosis we're looking for anyway. You know, you want ketosis while fasting from your fat stores. Going back to fasting goal number two that I talked about earlier, you want to tap into your fat stores. You want ketosis from your fat. You don't want high levels of ketones because you drank a whole bunch of, you know, MCT oil. Yes. You can also be in ketosis while eating a low-carb diet as well. So it's a state of the body where you are generating ketones from a fat source. Autophagy is a process in the body. There's a lot of forms of it. I think there's about 10 or so different forms, but it's where the body starts using... Old junky stuff. Yeah. And starts using it to like clean up, make things anew. It's a really awesome process. You can think of it as the cleanup service in your body, but it's it's recycling and using old things. So instead of like, imagine a maid service. You could have a maid service that comes in and like gets rid of all your stuff and cleans things up. Or you could have a maid that comes in and like cleans things up, but also takes the things you already have and like repurposes them and reuses them. And that's what autophagy is. It's super awesome. It's actually occurring all the time, 24-7. This is a true statement, (laughs) but it occurs to different degrees. So people will try to increase autophagy. We know when fasted increases autophagy levels, doing a low-protein diet increases autophagy, exercise increases autophagy, coffee, a lot of supplements. So you can have more or less forms of autophagy. So as far as like being in one or not the other, if you're in ketosis, you're in, you're going to be in autophagy because autophagy is always happening, but the levels could be different. Like you could be doing a keto diet with more protein and have less autophagy. You could be doing like a really high carb diet, but super low protein and have high autophagy. They're not the same thing. They can't go hand in hand. If you wanted all of them at like the most boosted amount. Fast. Yeah, I think that would be doing fasting. The end. Hi, friends. Now, if you're anything like me, you love biohacking, intermittent fasting, and getting feedback and data on what our bodies are doing. Now, when we do intermittent fasting or extended or prolonged fasting, it's hard to get feedback sometimes on how our bodies are doing in terms of fat burning and ketosis. This is one of the reasons that I created the Tone Device, which is a breath ketone analyzer. It can tell you the rate of fat burning your body is in by detecting the ketones on your breath. If you practice intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, do an occasional 24-hour fast like once a week, or prolonged or extended fasting, it's likely your body is getting into light ketosis. If you are doing keto or low-carb, even sometimes paleo, you may be getting into a deeper state of fat burning and ketosis. If you do a high-carb diet, then you probably get into a light state of ketosis after some fasting. What I love about the tone is that you can simply breathe into it for about four to five seconds, and it will give you instant feedback on the rate of fat burning that your body is at. Now, when we are in ketosis, our bodies are at their highest rate of fat burning, which is what is so neat. We actually breathe out our fat. So the carbons that we are measuring with the tone device are actually coming from our fat. When we practice different approaches like intermittent fasting or doing time-restricted eating, lower-carb diets or keto approaches, our bodies actually make a metabolic switch where fat becomes our primary fuel. And the body takes fat and converts it into ketones in the liver. About 15 to 20% of those circulating ketones are then diffused through our lungs, out in our breath. And it is so amazing. I absolutely love using the tone every single day. I love the biofeedback, especially when I am doing any kind of fasting. And I can see my body gradually get into a deeper and deeper state of fat burning through those ketone levels going higher and higher. Now, one of the reasons I created the tone is because testing blood ketones is cost prohibitive. The test strips are extremely expensive. They are wasteful. You no longer have to buy test strips 
ribs anymore. You can just breathe into the tone device for four to five seconds and get that instant feedback. It's a one-time investment and you'll be able to test an unlimited amount of times. Now, I always recommend testing with the tone device fasted first thing in the morning and testing up until you have your first meal of the day and you will be able to see differences there, especially if you do a longer fast, you'll see the ketones go higher and higher and it really is so great to get that biofeedback. Now, for the past year and a half, I've been working on a brand new version of the tone, the second generation tone device, and I am so excited for it to soon be available to you all. I wanted to create a special launch discount for the Tone device so that any of you who are interested can take advantage of that discount. I've never discounted the Tone device before, but if you are signed up to the exclusive VIP list, you will receive that launch discount. To sign up for the list, you can go to tonedevice.com and enter your name and email address and you will receive an email which you can confirm to double opt-in and you'll be the first to know when the new second generation tone device is available to order and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. I am so excited for you all to try it so be sure to go and sign up at tonedevice.com. All right now back to our show. That's exactly right and the reason we talk about them almost interchangeable way is because they both upregulate during the fast at the same kind of time. And it's that kind of time when your body's like, hey, I need to do something. There's nothing coming in. And so that's when your body starts tapping into stored fat for fuel and generating ketones. And that's when autophagy gets upregulated. So they go hand in hand during fasting. But just as Melanie said, not necessarily other times. Like you can be in ketosis and also eating a keto diet, and not having increased autophagy. So they do go hand in hand in the fasted state, but there's plenty of times when you're not in the fasted state that they don't go hand in hand. And then like, so something further to clarify, in general, ketosis, like its purpose is serving to create energy for your body. Specifically your brain. Your brain loves those ketones when you're not taking in food and you don't have that, you know, ready source of fuel for the brain, that glucose that your brain is used to running on. Your brain loves ketones. Exactly. And then autophagy, if we were to give it like one purpose, it's more for creating, like rebuilding. So it's cleaning up and rebuilding. This is what I wanted to read to you. I just pulled out my advanced reader copy of Fast, Feast, Repeat because I talk about, and this here's another sneak peek for listeners. I talk about autophagy in my new book, and I compare it to upcycling. And, you know, we upcycling is, I actually love this definition. Listen to this definition of upcycling, Melanie, and tell me that this does not sound exactly like autophagy. This is the definition of upcycling. Quote, the process of transforming byproducts, waste materials, useless or unwanted products into new materials or products of better quality and environmental value. Yep, that's perfect. I'm like, that is exactly what increased autophagy is doing. It is our body. Autophagy transforms our body's byproducts, waste materials, useless or unwanted products into new materials or products of better quality and environmental value. So that's really what's happening in our bodies. And why? Well, because we don't have food coming in. And so our body has to get creative with what's on hand. And that's when we tap into our fat stores for fuel. There's ketosis. And that's when autophagy is upregulated. Hey, that's our body, you know, recycling those proteins, upcycling those junky parts. And so they're happening hand in hand separately, though, but they're not happening in the same exact place. They're not the same thing. Yeah, I love that. And then as far as like the substrate taking in that is most likely going to downregulate it, like carbs tend to <laughs> shut off ketosis and with autophagy, protein tends to slow that down. So that's why we love fasting. You can get the best of all the worlds. That's exactly right. And you don't have to worry about when it's happening. You know, the one of my pet peeves is people wanting to know when it's happening. When is autophagy happening? Well, okay, Melanie just explained to you that it's ongoing all the time. But when is increased autophagy happening? Again, it just depends. It depends when your body has that need to start rummaging around. And 
no, I don't think it is 24 hours into the fasted state. Why would our body have a wonderful cleanup and repair mechanism like autophagy and require you to fast for 24, 36, 48 hours? We're supposed to be metabolically flexible, switching in and out of all these different, you know, things that are going on. And I think that's how we're naturally supposed to live. Yeah, exactly. And I think it also opens the door to, especially those who like to maybe hack things or try therapeutic approaches at certain times, like maybe you have an IF pattern and food choices that really work for you, but maybe one day a week you try in your window, like a lower protein approach that might make it so the next day you have you know, more autophagy. These are all tools in your toolbox. I think it's so amazing that we know now how we can make choices to, you know, support certain outcomes. So yeah, it's all wonderful. We've said before, we've quoted keto gains, like don't chase ketones, chase results, I think is their, their saying. And I guess for um, autophagy, you don't have to chase it, but you can, you can support it. And don't, don't stress about it. Yes, we want you to not have protein during your fast. And we want you to fast clean, but then you don't have to stress about, oh my God, when's it happening? Can I tell? Is it? Can I measure it? No, you can't. I mean, there are autophagy markers, but you can't measure them at home. You know, they can measure them in, you know, the lab, <laughs> but the, you're not going to do that. That's not a test people are doing. Don't worry about that. Also, brief plug out, because I was just thinking it'd be really exciting if someday they do have some sort of like at-home autophagy measure. Jen and I are currently experimenting with a, a fun thing that measures not ketosis, but does do measuring involving burning fat or carbs. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. It's exciting. Yeah, I'm dying to get my hands on that and I don't have it yet. I am obsessed. (laughs) So, (laughs) All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. You can submit your own questions to the podcast. Just email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. We are a Himalaya Partners show, so you can follow us in the Himalaya app. You can also subscribe to us in iTunes. Definitely, definitely subscribe in iTunes. It actually really helps support the podcast, helps other listeners find it as well. And you can follow us on Instagram. We are IF Podcast. You can follow me. I am at Melanie Avalon. Jen is at Jen Stevens. You can also go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like for all of the stuff that we like. Oh, and again, I didn't even say it. The show notes for today's episode will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 162. All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? No, I think that's it. I really enjoyed our discussion and I enjoyed providing these sneak peeks into Fast Feast Repeat and everybody pre-order. It's very helpful. Yes, please, please do. All right. Well, I will talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcast, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week. <laughs>